Hey everyone, David Chen here. Welcome to Culturally Relevant. We got a bonus episode for you today. Uh, this week, we are talking about The Last of Us Part Two. For those who don't know, The Last of Us Part Two is the sequel to The Last of Us Part One, which came out in 2013. It was widely successful. It sold 13 million copies, and it was basically a zombie apocalypse stealth shooter. Uh, and I really love that game, and I was really, really excited for The Last of Us Part Two, which uh, is one of the fastest-selling games in PlayStation 4 history. And so I was really excited to play it, excited to talk about it. Ultimately, uh, I was a little bit disappointed by the final product, uh, but I did want to have a chance to talk about it, to review it, to get my thoughts out there. And so there's a couple ways that I was able to do that. Number one, I did make a YouTube video, uh, which you can find at youtube.com slash Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen SKY. I'll also link to it in the show notes. If you want my thoughts on The Last of Us Part Two uh, that are very spoilery, check them out there. And also, I was able to record this conversation with Jeff Kanata and Christian Spicer, as well as Dan Trachtenberg. Now, I really love these guys. Obviously, I'm a big fan of all they do. Jeff Kanata, I co-host the Slash Filmcast with. He is also the host of the DLC podcast, along with Christian Spicer, the latter of whom hosts the Last of Us official podcast, which is a show that I've actually been enjoying listening to as I've caught up with uh, the games. And of course, Dan Trachtenberg is the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, as well as episodes of The Boys and Black Mirror. Now, fair warning before we start today. Uh, first of all, we will spoil the entire game, The Last of Us Part Two. So this is a podcast to save until you finish the game and then uh, come back and listen to us talk about uh, what we thought about the story and some of the, the game mechanics. Um, but the other thing I want to say is also I'm the only person in this conversation that didn't like the game out of the four of us. And it's just a challenging situation when you're in a conversation with three other very well-spoken, uh, strong-willed uh, people who uh, don't have the same opinion as you. So I think to some extent we might be talking past each other a little bit, but I, I greatly respect every single one of their opinions, and I hope you get something out of this conversation. But uh, yeah, wanted to get this out there because this is something that's been on my mind. I've, I've really been thinking about this game a lot and what it means uh, for the state of video gaming, and uh, I, I rarely get to talk about video gaming here on Culturally Relevant, um, but I do hope you have a chance to uh, listen to the conversation and enjoy. You can also find more episodes of this podcast at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Email me at culturallyrelevantshow at gmail.com. Follow this podcast on Twitter at CREVSHOW. That's C-R-E-V-S-H-O-W. And also this podcast will be cross-posted to the DLC feed is my understanding. So you can enjoy it at any of those places. But yeah, um, here is my conversation with uh, Jeff Kanata, Dan Trachtenberg, and Christian Spicer about The Last of Us Part Two. I'm going to find... And I'm gonna kill every last one of them. David Chen, Christian Spicer, Dan Trachtenberg. So excited to talk about this game with all of you. Uh, I don't know where to start. Let's start with you, David, because I know, I think of the four of us, you have the most critical opinions of the game. So why don't you lay out sort of your overall opinion and then we can dig into specifics from there. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I purposefully did not watch your video because I figured oh, I'd right. be experiencing it here tonight. 
Yeah, well, first of all, do the, your whole video again, please. Also, yeah. But also because I also I never watch your videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, first of all, yeah, definitely check out the video that Dan refers to, which is on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Dave Chensky, um, where I reviewed Last of Us Part Two in full detail. But let's, uh, I think I can divide my challenges with the game into a couple of broad categories. And maybe we could talk about each of these categories in turn, uh, but let's just start with like, how about the, the story of the game, right? Because I assume, like you guys, that st like story was the primary motivation uh, to play the game. You know, I thought Last of Us Part One was a masterpiece. Uh, I, I know there's not people who don't think as highly of it as I do, but I, I thought it was brilliant, uh, and I, it completely blew me away when that game uh, was... I, I, the first time I played it was actually the PS4 remaster, and I thought it stood up really, really well. Uh, the questions that that game asked about, you know, what would you do in that situation? And it's, it's like, pretty complicated. It's like, I, I don't know uh, if I was in Joel's situation, what would I do? Um, would I have done the same thing? I don't, I don't think he did the right thing. For the record, we're not going to spoil. Thing? We're not going to spoil the first game at all. Uh, Dave's going to talk around it, but we will spoil the second game instantly and say that Joel dies. But we will not. <laughs> would you have? Would you have uh, done what Joel did at the end of that one, which is not only uh, get Ellie out of that situation um, and murder a bunch of people along the way, uh, but uh, not tell her, like lie to her, right? And like I've been waiting now uh years for the answer to uh what happens in their relationship and i do i do think on that level the second game did deliver right i i do appreciate that we do find out what happens in the last of us part two what happened what, what the fallout is of that decision I mean, right it really is a game about the fact that they aren't given the the opportunity to reconcile that rift that we we find out that ellie discovers the lie it shakes her and angers her and then through the course of this game by the end we realize they were just about to get to some sort of reconciliation or coming to terms with their interpersonal relationship as a result of that fallout but that was stolen away from them by this new character abby right right um and i have i have some further thoughts on the ending uh that we can get to later but i think like fundamentally uh, I, I thought the, the scenes in which she's dealing with the fallout from the first game are awesome, right? Like the flashbacks and you see uh, her finally discover the truth when she goes back to the hospital. And it's like you said she's shaken by it. And she's the, the character is literally shaken, right? She's like breaking down in violent sobs uh, in that scene. And it's extremely powerful and moving. Uh, and so I really liked how that played out because it felt like it honored the character. But the problem for me with the last of us part two is that, uh, and there's many problems with it, but one of them is that uh, it's a, it's a revenge story, right? It's, it's primarily a story about revenge. The first game was about how are we going to save humanity? And you may, the people in this uh, chat may have a different conversation, like a different opinion of whether it was actually possible to save humanity, like, you know, what decision was Joel actually making in, in last of us part one. But, it was like, wow, this is a big weighty thing. They he has to get across the country with Ellie because he needs to save humanity. Like it's, it, it is an imperative. Uh, you you would not forgive him if he didn't do it, right? Uh, because he he has to get this girl to safety. 
Um, and in this one, it's she needs to kill this person, right? Because she's driven by this blinding rage as a result of uh, what Abby has taken away from her. And I just think that's a way less interesting premise. Um, it's doesn't feel as weighty to me. The questions it asks aren't as interesting to me because we've already seen tons of stories like that of, hey, did you know that maybe if you if you end up taking an eye for an eye, it makes the whole world go blind. Like, uh, like it might make you a worse person if you perpetrate further violence to try to correct the previous violence. You know, like, I mean, I think you can be, I think you can be reductive about it in any number of ways, but I, I don't, I don't think, I won't even agree with your framework that it's just a revenge story because in reality, it's two revenge stories in that, are are happening in parallel on, in the timeline that you play back to back. And because it's two revenge stories, I found it to be a powerful, yes, a rebuke of revenge and hatred, uh, you know, as you've kind of said in a kind of reductive, like, pat way. Perhaps you could take it that way. But I think the, the sum of its parts, because it's those two stories, and you see they are mirrored in so many ways, it really reveals the the desperation, the cycle of hate, the the motivations to be suspect from the start. So it is it is I found it to be a powerful statement, not in the way you're talking about, not in the oh yes, revenge bad, revenge make you bad, violence bad. I feel like that's so reductive. It it I was in the shoes of someone who watched a heinous act to someone they love felt motivated by it and then asked to consider that in a completely new way through the eyes of a completely new character and and see how that is mirrored and see how everyone is the hero of their own story and how perspective is everything and i found it to be um much more than kind of how you're framing it all right that's that is fair enough um i have a lot more to say but i want to make sure to to make time for uh i want to hear what Dan Trachtenberg has to say, like, what, what was your experience of the story? I very much agreed with Jeff, uh, especially like the notion that you're in those people's shoes, feeling a way about the mission that you're on, and then you are firmly out of their shoes and in someone else's and feeling a different way. And that was, it wasn't that binary. It actually kept flip-flopping throughout the entire experience. So I felt certain about how I felt about uh, Ellie and what she was doing. Um, and then I felt very uncertain. Uh, and I remember uh, feeling like I do not want to do what she's about to do. I don't want her to commit this act. And as soon as she did, I was like, I don't want to play her. I'm done. I don't want to play. I disagree. This is so bad. And then the second I felt that way, I was no longer playing her. And I was playing a brand new character who I had assumptions about. Um, and then in playing through her story, I felt very different. Now, certainly there are other works of fiction that it, that have dual, have a, examined the antagonist and examined the protagonist and you feel different ways, but it's it, that I, those I think are the more, um, Kurt and Pat entries compared to the way, what this examines. It's not just, I, and I definitely felt the way you did at, at times, Dave. When it first started out, I said, oh, is this the point? Is this what this is? This is all this is going to be? I know this hour one into the game, I'm, I get the point already. Do I really need to keep going? But as I kept going, it kept on saying more and more nuanced things about that experience and giving me 
perspective on things like nothing else, you know, is able to give, um, not just because of the medium, but also just because of the, the really well written storytelling. So, um, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, 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 in the one hand, understand your perspective. Um, but I, I think it, the way you summed it up, it's like, you could like any biopic, you could sum up like, Oh, this kind of thing is any genre could be summed up that way, but it, it's, a, it's about how, the details of it and how they're expressed. And I think that this game says so many things along the way. I kept thinking too more because certainly the revenge story, yes, and about hate, and but I kept examining like justification, like it's about what is morally just. Like it's, I kept, I kept trying to track the morality of what I was doing. Like, is this okay? Am I doing? Am I still in the right here? Um, and then when I switched characters, I felt, well, is this okay? Is this the right thing to be doing here? Um, and I certainly came out at the end feeling like I, I, I could not believe the moment that Ellie was the boss, that the fact that the boss of the scene, the boss of the sequence, the big boss is Ellie. Um, and I loved that because I, at that point, I, so I was so much more connected to Abby and really do feel like she is, I feel, and I could be wrong and my memory isn't perfect. And I, and you, I'd, I'd be happy to hear a different interpretation, but I really felt like Ellie did one heinous, but I think completely justified thing in killing Joel, um, who was in, who is, what's that? Abby did that. You said Ellie, Abby. My bad, Abby. Um, I'm sure that won't be the first time I do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and Joel is, if, if this, if we did not have the first game's perspective on his character, uh, if we were only ever in some anyone else's shoes, you would think he absolutely he would he would get the death penalty. He would be he would be gone. He does not deserve to live after doing what he he did. Um, though the first game gave you empathy for that action, but Ali killed him, spared other people, and then the rest of the game, if, if memory serves, she keeps on sparing. We keep on worrying that she's going to exact revenge, but she keeps on sparing. Um, and Ellie if memory serves, keeps on not sparing. I keep, I keep on hoping that she would have made the choices that Abby makes. And unfortunately she does. She kept on um, uh, allowing herself to giving into the dark side, giving into the hate, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that one of the reasons why, and I, I sense a lot of pushback from like reducing uh, the game down to very simplistic message. Right. And, I understand that. I guess for me, the game never went beyond the simplistic. The reason I think a lot of critics are saying it, the theme is like violence is bad or whatever is because I don't, I don't, in my opinion, I didn't see that nuance there, right? I didn't see the nuance that you describe of um, this is revealing more details. It's peeling back the layers of what it means. To, and I, it's just like, well, yes, I, I, I get that playing from a different perspective. The perspective of the character that killed Joel is a, a radical decision. Like it is. Uh, they're taking a big swing there. And I appreciate that just like for the ambition of it. Um, and, and I think a, like a significant part of it worked, but uh, you understand, Hey, yes, I do get that. Like you are, when you see things from the perspective of your enemy, like they, uh, they actually have really legitimate reasons for doing what they're doing. But 
at the end of the day, I don't know that it went fully beyond that. I, I, I actually think that Abby, like you said, probably has like a more interesting arc in this game than, than Ellie does. It really boils down to this thing about ludonarrative dissonance, though. I don't know if you guys saw this piece by Chris Plant that he pus- uh, published at uh, Polygon today. But it really summed up my feelings on this game, which is that uh, ludonarrative dissonance, for those who don't know, is the, 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 the idea that sometimes the way you play uh, what your character does may be different than the tone or message of the game that you're playing. Best example of that being Naughty Dog's game itself, like uh, Uncharted, where I think the body count in Uncharted 1 is a 1,000. Like Nathan Drake murders a 1,000 dudes in that game. Uh, but it's like a very cheery, he, you know, he's a happy-go-lucky, funny guy who's like punning on everything. Very, very Kanata-esque figure, if I may. Uh, only with like, <laughs> Just like ten percent, maybe more more killings than Jeff Kanata in real life. Um, <laughs> I think that and, puts me at a hundred deaths, <laughs> Dave. I think you've just yeah. pinned a hundred uh, deaths on me. Yeah, at least. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then, but what this game does is rather than evolve the gameplay, right, which is very very similar to what it was like uh, when Last of Us One came out in 2013. Rather than evolve the gameplay, the story has changed to fit how violent the game is, right? You're still killing the same number of people. It's still like super dark, like the first game is. But now the game is like, well, this is what a person would actually be like if they killed a thousand people, right? They would be almost completely irredeemable. Are you comparing this to the first Last of Us or to Uncharted? I, I got mixed uh, up. Bo- both a little bit. I'm saying like this, the, rather than change the gameplay so that it is less focused on killing, right? This game is like, let's keep the killing the same and bring the story to the place where it's as dark as what a thousand killings would entail. Because this game is super, super dark, right? And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's just, for me, less interesting than, you know, the story of the first game. And also, the game, I just think, is super relentless. Like, it, it uses 25 hours to make its point when literally 12 hours would have sufficed. Um, so anyway, th- th- that's I, kind of my thoughts on that. I do agree with that very last thing you said. And I've, I've thought about this quite a bit um, while playing is that I think, you know, my criticisms of the game, the things that I didn't love are all sort of can all be tracked back to the amount of game that it is. You know, if, if yeah. the excess like you get the point. I mean, everything you, you you certainly the, if it was just the cutscenes and then some of the stuff in between, not the hours of stuff in between those story points. And there's lots of great. I don't want to minimize. There's lots of great story in the gameplay itself as well. But if that was one six-hour experience, the the story would or however long it would need to be. I don't know. You know, but like the story would not suffer at all. And I think a lot of the feelings of, but this is too much. I, I don't want to see this much. De- I'm doing, you know, all of those things start to go away. It can still be making its point about all of that right. without, without quite the amount, which is just, it's the reckoning of the format with the reckoning of needing an amount of gameplay to warrant um, AAA release or whatever, you know, I imagine, I assume. Yeah. I have a couple thoughts on that actually, but I want to. We have not given any time for Christian to speak yet, but I, I will. I, I want to respond to that at some point. Christian, do you have anything to I mean, say about I, this? So, for people, depending on where you're listening to this, who who don't know, 
um, you know, call me bias. I, I, I'm hosting the official Last of Us podcast. We're talking about part two starting in July. Um, if you listen to DLC, hopefully you know I'm a huge fan of the series and the fact that I'm working on a thing with Sony and Naughty Dog, I honestly feel like does not change my opinions here. But I want to say, I'm... great podcast. I listen to it every week. I'm super psyched for you to get to to the second game. So Likewise. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's some fun stuff. Um, so all those caveats out of the way, I, I love the game. Sorry, Half-Life Alex. Um, it's <laughs> my, my favorite of the year surprise. And, and I think it's about so much more than just that revenge. I, I think if anything, the marketing maybe planted that seed in people's heads because that's what they kind of were allowed to talk about maybe. And it's like, oh, violence, violence, violence. That's what this is. And and to me, it's it's so much more than that, right? It, it's humanity and what makes us human and what keeps us connected and and all of the complex emotions that go into being a human. And I think, you know, Dave, to your point about like, well, they made a story to match the world. I, I don't I don't think so. To to me, I feel like this is a very bold and fascinating story that wasn't the safe sequel, but took these characters to uh, a, a place that I think really does justice to the first game of putting them in uncomfortable situations where there is no right or wrong. Um, you know, there's a bunch of gray. Uh, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Like it, it, it's a complex world where these characters are on the razor's edge of emotions all the time and being pushed into these scenarios that are just horrific for anyone to, to think about. And I think to your and, and Dan's point, I think the length, is very effective. And I think that, you know, us and several other people that play a lot of games and consume a lot of media, it's like, oh, I got the point. I can get the point in six hours. And it's like, there's, in my opinion, there's a difference between getting the point and feeling it. And and I use the analogy of the Metal Gear Solid 4 um, and the, radi- the radiation scene yeah. a lot in that of like, this is what games can do. And it, you feel it. And Edith Finch has a moments like that too, where you're engaging in the story in a way that has you feel it. And I think you living these characters' worlds for as long as you do makes an emotional connection with you, the player, that it won it the same way um, as a shorter experience. I'm not, I'm not saying there's no fat that couldn't be trimmed. Of course, there probably is. Um, but I, I really found my time with Abby and Ellie to to all of it to be worthwhile. And there were times when I started, I was like, oh, Abby, is this, uh, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. And then it's like, you come around and I start to really empathize with her. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a very bold choice for a sequel. And I was just constantly blown away by what it did narratively. And then that's, we're not even talking about like the technical Marvel that I think the game is like, yeah. I, this is a, a story discussion for spoilers. I think we're, I think we're all on the same page about yes. the technical Marvel. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I love, I mean, I think a small analogy and then I'll be quiet for a little bit, but it's just like, and this is one of the characters whose names I forget. And that bothers me right now in this moment, but like just the symmetry of the dog. Right. And it's like, Ellie kills it. And she's like, damn dogs. And then, it's like Abby, it's like Ace. And just seeing that, just just that is like such a microcosm of an example of 
what humanity is and what it means to empathize with someone else and what their situation is and what it can be and what you think of as this is something totally different to someone else and what kind of world that builds and establishes and what are the consequences of that and how can we have influence over what type of world we want to live in. Um, I think if anything, the game's about empathy and humanity than it is more about violence and revenge. It's interesting, Dave, that you framed this part of the discussion in terms of ludonarrative dissonance because I felt that the game really takes that on in a way that I don't know any other game that does. I mean, a lot of people have talked about Spec Ops The Line, kind of, but I feel like this game is accepting the reality of ludonarrative dissonance in game design and asking you to consider it, asking you to live inside it. I, yes, I killed a whole lot of clickers and infested in this game. I attempted to kill as few human beings as I could. I have never had a video game make me feel the desire to not kill as much as this game did. I, I and yes, it's a video game where you have choice, uh, in, in those sequences to tackle the challenge as you would, as you may. And yes, you are faced with a, uh, you know, a, a series of enemies that you have to get past and you have the opportunity to kill them. You can kill them. And it, the game, uh, you know, Christian has said many times he had fun playing it. I did not, I did not have fun killing human beings in this game because I bought into the mental state of the characters that I was portraying. I, I did not enjoy it. I, too. Ellie turned around. She's I, Ellie went back. No one was standing. Like I, it wasn't me being like, wee. it was no, forget them. Yeah. They're and I felt down. like it was not, it was not fun for me to slit the throat of a human being watching. You could, you know, take the camera around anytime you did a stealth kill and see the face of Ellie or Abby doing that and how, anguished they were i mean i i feel like this game makes great pains to show how despicable an act each of those is mm -hmm. and i also think that what no one really ever brings up when they talk about this game there's a lot of talk about ellie and abby and joel and and the, the revenge idea and the hate built in but i no one brings up the tapestry upon which that story plays out. The background that is so filled out in this game, you are literally in the middle of a human-on-human -human war by the end of this game. You are galloping through hell in a war between people that are all trying to survive the apocalypse, and you'd think pooling their resources would be pretty smart and helpful. And yet here they are slaughtering each other by the dozens in this horrible scene. And throughout the entire game, throughout the entire experience, it is all about factions and who are we killing and who's killing who. And uh, so much of Abby's playthrough is her turning on the very people that she has this brotherhood, sisterhood with. And I, throughout all of it, I felt like I can't hurt these people. Yes, there is this sect that is dangerous and scary and those whistles i will never not be freaked out when i hear those whistles it's just such an effective thing and yet you then meet people from that sect and you go oh they're decent people in the sect too you know it's like it's this this cult that is scary well, the, pe and the people that are breaking out of the sect are decent people but yes 
Yeah, well, they were once in it, right? And their mother is was in it and is in it and dies because of it. And it, all of it is complex. All of it is subtle. All of it is shades of gray. And I think that that tapestry that this game builds is compelling to me in, in the sense that I am not, I don't feel like any of it is pat. I don't feel like any of it is easy. All of it makes me go, oh my God, I want to do as little awful as I can in this game. And it forces, yes, it forces you to do some awful. And that's something that we can talk about, but yeah, I don't know. So a few thoughts can, on what you can said. I, like, can I just add one yep, tidbit ahead. anecdote to, to your point you were making about the confronting of violence? I agree with everything you just said, Jeff, but there's a moment in the very beginning in the sort of tutorial section when it's teaching you to like the art of pushing into through small crevices and a frozen body like yeah. pops out and you have to then like push through that body to progress. That felt like that's the metaphor. That's the game. Yeah. That's the wow. whole thing, which was su is such an authored moment. That is something that did not have to happen. It could teach you to progress through crevices without that. I think it's, it's telling you right up front, you're going to have to confront p human faces. Not, it's not just monsters and it's not just, guys in, in uncharted guys in helmets with bodysuits on that you don't you know like this is like you're pushing through a human that looks very well rendered and push past it if you can if you know it just i i thought that um was a very early sign of what the game was trying to do that was very different than it's just a game have fun and yeah. um and 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 i felt very much a commentary on other video games especially ones that they've made themselves so uh, a few thoughts number one the point about ludonarrative dissonance i just want to be clear is i in case it's not clear what this game does is it eliminates a lot of ludonarrative dissonance right because it has shaped the story around the main actions of the protagonists which is mostly centered around killing right or or you know trying to avoid killing but mostly killing and um it is, it, they, you know, g game developers want to tell epic stories, um, but they also want the gameplay to match what the story is. And that's what this game does, in my opinion, right? It is the logical endpoint of trying to eliminate the gulf between the gameplay and the story, um, which is you tell the story about how extremely effed up it would be if uh, somebody did have to kill a thousand people. What would that actually do to someone's psyche? And you you do kind of explore that in this game. Um, I, I want to say a couple things about something that Dan said earlier, right? Like one is that, uh, in my opinion, I mean, first of all, I'm really enjoying talking about this game with you guys. And I think that what's clear to me is that the things that I thought were weaknesses are what you guys think are strengths. Right. And that's just uh, I think it's just it's it's fascinating how it's like in the eye of the beholder and who's viewing the game, you know, that the same exact thing the game does can be viewed by me as a weakness and you guys as a strength. But uh, I, I think that like in storytelling in general, you don't want the audience to be ahead of the storyteller. Right. Like, I, I think you want the audience, the, the storyteller is like pressing forward and you're like the audience, you're like trying to catch up. You're like, oh my gosh, what is what is going to happen next? Whereas I think the length of the game, to the point of length earlier, I think really does hurt this game because I I feel like I'd already gotten the points that the game was trying to make, um, you know, several hours into LA storyline. I at no point was I, or not at no point, but like 
for for more of the game than not, I was like, Ellie, this is extremely self-destructive and bad. You shouldn't be doing this. But the game is forcing me to do it. And and so I feel like I'm ahead of the uh, game for much of the game's playtime. And I think a lot of critics felt that way as well. And that's a, a big source of frustration. Um, uh, do and, you, so and do just, you not feel that way about Kill Bill? I was going to say Apocalypse Now. Yeah, I mean, any most things, you know? When well, you're like, you, hey... Or it's, Hamlet. Okay, I mean Hamlet. That's a good. Okay, you got me with the Hamlet, Jeff. That's uh, that's <laughs> fair enough. I can't. I cannot dispute with the Hamlet. Um, uh, the, I like that. Again, like that's a universal truth. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I mean Hamlet. Hamlet is basically, like I cannot hey, come back from that one. I cannot come back from that because one. It, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. what I brought up on uh, Alana Pierce's show too, and everybody was like, "You can't compare a piece of literature to a video game. And I was like, that's not literature. Okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> okay, no, but, but that's, that's fair. That's fair is that there there are many cases in which it's possible to be ahead of the, uh, in which the audience is ahead of the, the story and that's okay, right? And and like the craft of what is happening is so good that it doesn't matter. And and maybe that's, this is one of those cases for a lot of people, right? But you, there were um, several things. I don't have to be in your house while you played to, to know. I, there must have been several moments of this game that were stunning and surprising and you could never have seen coming uh yeah that's true i, I actually wanted to get to those but let me just say one other thing which is i i want to ask you this question dan trachtenberg okay and i think it's like like uh i remember oh, reading the short sorry it was good talking to you i'll see you later i remember <laughs> reading like alan moore talk about Watchmen, right and uh, they were making Watchmen into a movie, and Alan Moore, the creator of Watchmen and many other beloved comics, uh, really did not like that. And so um, he, I think he, to this day, he refuses to watch it. Um, he refuses he, to do a lot of things, though, to be fair. Right, yeah. And he, but he said something like, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I think it's pretty close, is that like, I did not write Watchmen to be made into a movie. In many ways, I wrote Watchmen as a comic to show what comics could do that movies could not do, right? And that always stuck with me ever since. But I want to ask you this question, Dan. Uh, picture this. You're making a movie. Let's say it's called 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, there's a character in it played by a very talented actress, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She's about to break out of this crazy bunker and she finally gets out. It's like you've been waiting the whole movie for this extremely tense, fraught moment for her to bust out of this, of this, intent, you know, high stress situation. She Wait, are we spoiling of, Ten Cloverfield Lane too? I am spoiling God. Ten Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> the madness, but not Last of Us Part One. But, but not Last of Us Part One. That's right. She, she, she emerges from the bunker. Smash cut to the beginning of the movie, and then you experience the entire thing from John Goodman's perspective. Uh, I I don't think anyone would ever do that. Like, be, and and it is an incredibly frustrating storytelling decision, in my opinion. To just like you're at the you're the height of like, oh my gosh, the entire game has been building to this point, and then smash cut to I'm viewing the thing from the other perspective, and also I'm restarting three days ago. You know, you but know who does do that, game, Dave? That's not what the game's building to. Wait, wait, but there's so many. Yeah, a lot, lot of people Dan, attacking me at once. At cool. the same time, <laughs> have at me. Have at me. Go ahead. <laughs> I want. I have. I. I have comments about no, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Wait, wait, I am the most. I am the most qualified person here to talk about Ten Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> I bought a ticket to that movie not to watch it. I bought a ticket to show the realities of what buying a ticket to a movie can mean. Not to watch a movie about it. Um, I, Jeff, I just want to say because I want to hear. Yeah. You know who? Do, you know who? What does do that? 
Tell me. George R. R. Martin. Yeah, so I was just gonna say I was gonna say TV Game of Thrones, Breaking and Bad. They did all, super oh. well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, talking about the I books. Mean, Dave, that's a very con- that's there's I don't understand. I mean, you're comparing the if 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 this game did that on hour twenty, I think we'd all be a little bit like, geez, Louise. But it doesn't. I think it I think comments about amount aside like it does it does all that stuff at a very appropriate amount of time given the breadth of of the game and the breadth of games of its genre and games in general um you know what else kind of does that pulp fiction yeah so many things so many things so many great works and including this one that was i thought what incredible and by the way my experience wait wait go ahead sorry Dan. Go, go ahead. what i thought was a really genius call is you start the game with Abby. So it's not like, it, that's like starting the, the thing where you think John Goodman's the protagonist and then you switch to, I don't even want to talk about this that way. But <laughs> also I will say too, talk about okay. being ahead of the narrative that you know in the trailers for Dangler Lane, it shows her running around outside and the, the big question of the movie is, will she be outside or not? Will she make it outside? What's outside? And what I think is hopefully rewarding about the experience is that is the steps, the nuances along the way are surprising. It's not just what is the end surprising and the end is, you know, crazy in a different way, but, um, well, I understand a lot of you think, think my analogy is bad and I should feel bad and that's okay. Um, <laughs> hey, I've I, been there, buddy. I, I think there. that, but I think <laughs> you've been there, Joe. I think that, um, uh, and, and some people in the chat room were broadcasting this live are saying like, it's a different medium. And I'm pretty sure I made exactly that point and gave that huge caveat right before, you know, with the Alan Moore thing. Um, it doesn't matter. People, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I said three minutes ago, but I, so I acknowledge that it is different. And, but I think that like, it, it would be different if, you know, you're watching Pulp Fiction and then one of the segments is, you know, 10 hours long. Like Dude, I, I just my think, experience, Dave, my quick, experience, real quick, of, real quick, real quick. Sorry. <sighs> And that's not the culmination. That's Abby killing Joel is the inciting incident. The, the the conclusion is Ellie and Abby on the beach in Santa Barbara. That's what it builds to. And that happened at the end. The, the timeline of when things happen, one that does happen chronologically later. But the fact that you see the, the, the death scene early and then jump back into earlier moments of that, that's still the, the flashpoint for this story, right? Because it's a culmination of Abby's training, getting her to this point to do this thing. And Ellie's culmination of her story of who she is, having meaning, having a point, uh, having family, having all of these things, right? And so that's the that's the match being lit. But that's not the end of that game or the story. So to me, it doesn't seem like they start at the end and then and then flash you around. The end is is that fight. Well, I, and I Dave, are you saying fun. that you just did not like playing what you like? Last of Us is a very pure story, and this is a very complicated. By the way, I think Godfather to Godfather Two is like one of the most apt comparisons to the two games. But you're, well, I, it I just sounds think, like uh, what you're saying is that you just did not enjoy having to go back and play Abby. Um. Uh. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I just I'm interrogating my own feelings on it copy live publicly which is that yeah. like i'm super engrossed i was actually like pretty engrossed in the game at that point right i'm like oh uh what's gonna what's gonna happen we're reaching this moment and then for the game to just take a 10-hour detour 
Uh, can I tell you? Yep. Can go I ahead. tell you, you have, my yep. ex my experience yeah, of reading please. every Game of Thrones book, all of the Song of Ice and Fire, yes, is what you're describing. That's my experience of reading those books. You you are in a chapter and you're like, oh my god, this is insane, and you get up to a point, and they're about to cut Ned Stark's head off. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, did they cut it off? And it goes, new chapter. Here's a new person somewhere else on the planet doing something else. <laughs> and you're like, what? When do we get back to this? When do we get? I was just, I want to find, is Ned alive? Is he dead? What's going on? I, I We were in the perspective of his daughter and I think she saw him dead, but she hit her eyes at the last second. And I don't, I don't know if he's alive or dead. All I care about is whether he's, go back to this, go back to this. And then because it's a book, I read the next page, which is the new chapter and i go god i do not want to be reading about this person i don't care about this person right now all i care about is where we just were why are we here and then 15 pages into that chapter i'm like all i give a shit is about, is about this person oh my god and we get to the end of that chapter and it he leaves it on a cliffhanger there and i go no i don't want to leave this this is the thing i care about most and that that is the entire process of reading those books for me and so I very much understood what was happening in, in this game where you get to this point where all you care about is what is Ellie going to do when she finally sees Abby and, and the game goes, nope, here's information you need before you can even process that moment. And so it goes, it puts you in this other perspective. And now when you get back to that moment, when you're outside that theater in the rain and you know exactly what's going on inside that theater, you have more information than the characters you're playing do. And you go, I know what's at stake. I know who I am to those people. I know what's about to happen when I break in. It, 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 to me, it is so much richer, so much more interesting. It's fucking back to the future. You know, it's like, it's, oh my God, now I know the other side, I know what's going on, what's at stake outside this experience for all these other sides of the prism. And I, that's exactly what I think that the, the point of what the game is doing, it's not saying, hey, you know, I just want to go and, you know, extend the length of this experience. It's trying to show you, hey, you don't have enough information to even contextualize this moment yet. Jeff, what that moment that I remember just being so floored as that was progressing. And of course it's something that is inevitable. And, and, and also moments like that in Pulp Fiction, moments like that in other movies where now we're seeing it from another character, Rashomon, right? But in this format, play, knowing that location so intimately because of I, the way I experienced it through one character's in one character's shoes and then exploring it as somebody else you have to break in too. The game yeah. doesn't let you just walk in. You have to like break into that place that you've walked into so many times. It, yeah, it's so powerful. And you're so connected. Okay. You're so connected to that person at that time and knowing what might trend and hoping that it doesn't, but using the knowledge of like what you had already done in the other, that's something that movies can't provide. I guess books can, but um, and shows sometimes do, but, but not, not you just don't, you're not as connected. And Dave, Dave the thing that there, the one criticism I have of the game, um, was that the ending made me feel like, oh, well, the way I experienced the ending, which it was not actually, which we can get to, but 
it made PS4 me feel like died oh, with like two hours left in the game like what, what happened just, it made me feel, it made me feel like oh this was ellie's story and abby was just in it and up until that moment i what i was loving was that oh mm. no this is it's it, this is the story of these two characters yeah and it sounds yeah. like your criticism was you you thought you were playing ellie's game and now suddenly you have to play another character and what i relished in was that i'm i felt way more connected to abby and her story um and was sort of sad that the conclusion didn't and but and, and i did not stick around for the end credits and the menu game menus screen to know that actually there was a really elegant poetic profound way yeah. to conclude and if and if i had had that moment i would have felt very differently and i would have it's like so nailed good. me i yeah. unfortunately learned after the fact about that that was pretty um, good you're referring to like the boat on the shore at the end yes the boat on the shore with the santa barbara yeah. landmarks no no, no catalina it's catalina. catalina sorry catalina i yeah, know yeah, catalina yeah, yeah. yeah but that, that it's a very it's i i thought it was very beautiful actually yeah that, my that menu, yeah my the way i found that out was days later <laughs> a friend of mine texted me we were talking about the moment and he sent me a video of his uh his screen playing the game and he panned to the menu screen he had just finished and he panned over to a poster on his wall of catalina with that build like he happens to have a friggin yeah. poster on his wall and he was so i can't imagine his like realization of like oh my god and i just didn't unfortunately have it in real time um yeah just, so just to articulate explicitly what you're saying is that like uh it's the implication of the menu screen that you get after the game is over is that abby makes it to the fireflies location yes. right so and, thus and it's a very beautiful elegant way of doing it i agree her story um, yeah yeah and yeah. so i i think that's a big i think as i think back in all the criticism i've been reading of the game and watching of the game i feel like so much of it is they thought that people wanted joel and ellie's story and they were that's what they were going to get and they got something different um and it wasn't quite what they had wanted didn't really meet the game on its own terms i guess yeah uh so cl clarifying a couple of things first of all jeff i think our plan for you to moderate and take some heat off me from people who love the game is going super well <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you're welcome but, second, but secondly i think that uh uh Number one, I think like there's there's a couple parts to my feelings on it, which is one I'm like I'm super engrossed in this uh, Ellie storyline, and then all, all of a sudden cutting away, and um, I, I guess I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. I think you guys are right about that, right? Like there's many stories and and you know TV shows and books or whatever that have done that, and it's been like it's worked out. And but I think like when you talk about Game of Thrones, you're talking about like the execution is so ridiculously good, right? That um, it makes you you marvel at the craft, right? And there's certainly like really good craft to be found in this game as well. But I don't know that on a storytelling perspective, it's quite as complex and rich as a Game of Thrones to make it worth the to make the detour justifiable for me personally. For other people, it may be right. Yeah, but that's to me, kind it's of... not a it's it's not a detour. Like that's hmm, that's that's the road, you know. Like, and I at least for me, it's like. Yeah, I I reacted to playing as Abby to now playing again as this character who I just, you know, I had had witnessed brutally murder um someone I'd spent 18 hours with or whatever it was in the first game and Joel and and have heard these horrible things about, you know, from Ellie's perspective and the things they've done and 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 learning about the WLF and 
kind of what this life is. And, and like, as you go through the city in Seattle and you, you see these people that try to survive outside of the WLF's protection and what they did to them. And, you know, it really paints this picture. And then to get that, like, I wish I, it's just like, a, you know, you're ripped away from that and you're, you're, the controls in your hand and you're playing Abby and you're playing who's been painted as this, as the villain or as the antagonist. It, again, I think it's something that's beautiful about the medium where, I have to push forward. I have to engage with this character that I don't like, but I think by design. Um, and I, I need to push her story forward versus like a TV show. It happens, a, you know, a book. Yeah. You got to turn the page, but here I have to do it. I have to interact with this game and push this character forward. And in doing so help her achieve her goals and, and goals that initially I'm not sure if I'm on board with. And then as I spend time as her, you know, you learn about her character, why she's done the things she's done, how I think Dan said this earlier, how it's like, well, maybe she's better than Ellie because you've already done a bunch of horrible things as Ellie. Yeah. And you're there. She she stops Ellie from, you know, being killed at the, at the in the first place, her and Tommy. Um, and she steps in there. and you, But you don't hear what she says as Ellie's perspective, too, which I think is brilliant and beautiful because you are Ellie in that moment. Like, you're, the blood is ringing in your ears. You're not dialed in and listening and so i think the way it plays with perspective and this isn't um the outer worlds this isn't fallout right this isn't you know christian adventuring in world this is their story and the fact that it is these character stories but i'm interacting with it and and still have to have agency to push it forward is so emotionally compelling um, and now listening to this conversation, I think you guys are right. I think I'm going to go buy this game. It sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, that's really why we are here to make sure that Christian yeah. maybe plays this or tries it. You know, he, he was I, on the fence for the entire recording session of the podcast, and now yeah. he's we finally pushed him over the edge. Um, I guess I just want to make clear that I don't think that inher- it's inherently wrong to switch to another character's perspective, and I actually agree it's quite subversive. Um, I think that just it's it's really the execution, right? It's really just the the length of the amount of time you spend as that character um, and what you spend doing as that character, right? Which I, I, I know for you guys, you don't feel this way about it. But for me, it really did feel kind of like a side quest. Theoretically, you're finding out more about like what this character is going. She She's having, coincidentally, she is having the most consequential important days of her life at the same time as Elias, right? She's going through this thing where she's like saving these people, realizing that all that she believed was a lie. Um, I don't, you know, it didn't, it didn't just didn't quite work for me at the level because you have 15 hours up on Ellie than you do on Abby. You know, like you just have so much more, uh, connection with her that you built up through the first game, and so for me, it just didn't quite work at the same level. And, um, and so, uh, 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 you know, I know I'm going to get completely torched by our listeners for this review. I just want to make sure I'm torched for the right reasons. You know? Oh, I doubt all- that. I don't. I think there's plenty of people in your camp. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I've certainly heard from them. But the the <laughs> from a purely motivational standpoint. I'm much more on it. I thought this was Abby's game. I really related much more to Abby than than Ellie because from Abby's perspective, your dad is going to save the fucking world. Not only is that prevented, I mean, literally every day after that moment that you have to go through hell in this post-apocalyptic nightmare hellscape, you, you feel like, 
it doesn't need to be happening right now. Every, every person, friend that's turned. Yes. yes every yes. single first person that gets bitten and, and dies every single moment, plus your dad, whom you love, is gone. Yes, I would want to destroy that person. Too. I, I would feel like that is the worst crime against humanity that anyone could do. It's, it's, it's so much worse than what Abby does, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. And one of the things about the game that I think, you know, I, I've been spending a lot of time talking about what I don't like, but one of the things I like about the game is how it brings forth this idea of duality, right? Like um, the, the ads for this game are about duality, right? You see, there's this really beautiful, I've been, I haven't stopped listening to this cover of True Faith that plays in the commercial for this game. Um, it's the Lottie Kester version, slightly different, but um, you see her playing guitar and she's kind of there with Dina and then it cuts to her about to like take out a bunch of scars, right? And it's like, oh, the same person can love someone else deeply and also murder a bunch of dudes, right? And, and you see like, revenge takes these two characters along these very different paths ellie is physically very scrawny and um and skinny and abby is quote-unquote built like an ox as the game describes right um abby is afraid of heights uh ellie wants to go to space you know like and you you kind of there's this really interesting mirroring between the two like the abby actually takes the good path right she she gets all that revenging out of her bones and then she's like i'm done i don't need to kill the uh brother and the and the kid you know, I'm I'm done, uh, and Ellie can't let it go until it co completely consumes her. And I I like that. I like the way uh, the in concept. I like that. You know, um, the game is kind of bringing those mirror images to life in this way. So to to me, one of the the things that I find uh, so surprising about the post release discussion of this game, mm -hmm. and is in my opinion a compliment to the game, is that. All the conversations are the conversations that we've been having. All of the conversations. And to me, that's what great art is. No one has been talking about the like straight up dozen incredible action sequences and set piece moments that this game delivers that are as good as anything Naughty Dog has ever done, as good as anything any video game has ever done, just any, any movie, a anything, any story. I mean, the, the, yeah, yeah. There are so many person. incredible set pieces. I haven't heard anyone talk about them, right? Because the narrative is so compelling and so divisive and so challenging. It is a, ch I mean, you talk about video games being challenging and it's a, problematic term because it's so easily misinterpreted as being difficult to complete or something like that you know a, a, a dexterity challenge when this game is challenging in the ways that we've been talking about is how do you feel about this what do you think of these people do you agree with what you're forced to do and because that is such a strong element and is so powerfully expressed and forces you to make those have those thoughts so much of what makes it just an incredible video game piece of work like a, a a craft in the analog of video games is completely overlooked well, it's, it's amazing also to add to that i think so much of the conversation centers around abby and ellie as they are you know main figures of the game but you know i could do a whole nother hour about tommy and about dina and how they're fleshed out and realized 
and what they add to this story, right? Like, it's, I mean, there's Owen the, and Mel. There's and, the beautiful yeah. line of, of Dina uh, when they're back at the farm towards the end. And it's like, you know, I'm paraphrasing. And Ellie's like, you know, you're fine with all this, but I'm not. And she's like, you think I'm fine? Like, you know, how dare you? I just don't let this, you know, Dina's been without a family since she was 10. Like she, it, it kind of felt like a nice mirror moment back to the last of us part one when, uh, Joel it's like the beautiful moment. Joel kind of claps back at Ellie and he's like, you're not my daughter. You don't know what loss is. And Ellie's like, everyone I've loved has been taken from me. And then we, we, we see that in left behind. And, and here we're getting this moment of Ellie having that with Dina. She's like, you don't understand. You don't know what it's like. And Dina's like, I, you don't know what it's like. Jesse's dead. Everyone I've ever loved has died. My family was ripped away from me at a very young age. I, you're going the wrong way, Ellie. This isn't right. And Ellie's like, I have to do this. And George, and George Lucas would be proud because uh, it rhymes. Um, but <laughs> you talk about that. There's several awesome things that I that Jeff, you made a freaking great point about the conversations about this game, and they're not even including the things that we normally talk about in video games. But I would because you just brought up the the farm like that sunset house that like andrew wyeth inspired it is one of the most gorgeous places i've been to (laughs) photorealistic i would argue i would love to spend i wish i had that as a like a mini game that like flower or whatever that i could just like (laughs) spend time in it needs to be an airbnb is what it needs to be (laughs) um but also a genius first of all like the fact that the game does that is unreal it does it reminded me of the like uh, Battlestar Galactica, like three years later, like the fact that that's it, what it, you know, where it goes linearly is amazing. And, but that sequence was so filled with, on the one hand, beauty, but so much tension for me. I wonder if you guys have the same experience of like, oh no, don't be a dream sequence. Please yeah. Don't be yeah. A dream sequence. And it keeps yeah. going, you go, and then you're like, oh no, like, oh, thank God it's not a dream sequence. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 wait, I hope it's a dream sequence. Like, oh, no, is it a nightmare sequence? Like, there's, I just never quite yeah. felt. And then I was like, oh, the no, part, really the part where you have to go outside with the baby and, yes. and rustle up the sheep. I'm exactly. like, oh, this is definitely a dream sequence. Right. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, oh, no, it's not going to be dream sequence, but something bad's really going to happen in reality. Like, and then, and then you just, just remarkable. Um, also, Jeff, as you mentioned, set pieces, like, there's this truck sequence in. I don't know which portion of the game. Um, yeah, can we? I was, I was wondering, can we just talk about like favorite sequences? I think that might be. Yeah, like that. There's so many. That there's so many that that I think equals or rivals Children of Men or or um, Let Let Me In's. Like it's such an incredible. I, I looked at it again today. Wait, wait, which to remind, sequence are you referring to, Dan? Is it the one where they're like being attacked and he and Jesse's driving the vehicle? Yes, Jesse's driving the vehicle. You're you're you know and. Yeah. By the way, I mentioned to, I, I should have said up front too, like other Christian. I, I'm friends with people at Naughty Dog. I, I know Neil Druckmann, um, and so you know, feel free to not care about what I say because it would be, seem biased or whatever. But um, I think, uh, like I texted him, like John Woo is to doves what Neil Druckmann is to trucks. Um, every game he's worked on has had an, an, an incredible truck sequence. Yeah, it's true. And this like takes the cake now. It's not, and, and watching it back is cool. Um, 
but the, it just it just makes me just anyone who's ever talked to me about you know video games having an opinion on video games and they don't play game they watch people play them or you know like it is watching that back is 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 as thrilling as a movie would be but playing it when you are like try i just i wasn't breathing during that scene and trying to make a shot while the car is doing what it's doing and then the surprise of of jesse stabbing the thing and the door closing and slamming the guy like just there's so many details that it didn't have to have and it still would be very good then it has those details that are just like, wow, this is masterful storytelling. And I felt the same thing revisiting the that sequence that I'd forgotten about was in the teaser from a couple of years ago, the long oneer of of Abby being choked and when you meet Yara and um Lev, oh, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But that that sequence is if that were in a movie, it would be nominated for I mean, like that was the most taught it just and then Perfect. following that, when you're running through the dark, that whole sequence of running through the forest at night, when, and they drop the the torch, and you have to fight a couple of times. It's oh, like, God, yes, oh. yes, yes. I mean, if we're talking favorite scenes, for me, it's hands down uh, the Tommy pursuing Tommy across the bridge. Yes, I was going to say you're, too. You're yeah. sniping. It's, it's, he's it's sniping a great to, sequence. Yeah, to yeah bring that infected to you. The whole and then the, it. Throw the curveball. Did you know it was him the, the whole time? That's Christian? the thing. I did. I didn't know it was him. And then you, when you realize it's you're like, because you're playing and you're like, f this guy. I hate this freaking guy. Yes. And then you finally catch up and you realize. Game, I know, that's, that's the whole point. I just want to say, yeah. like, isn't that that's something that you cannot? That a is not. Oh, I knew the game was going to do that the whole time. And it's not just trite. Like, oh, revenge. I get it. Revenge is bad. And you don't get it in Kill Bill or any other movie, Payback, or a movie about revenge and eye for an eye, or or Pulp Fiction, a movie that plays with perspective. You don't get those moments where you are feeling frustrated about this antagonist and want to take care of them. And and then the second that you realize who that person, it's like, and they kill your butt, like and you're like, uh, it, it's what a profound experience to give to people <laughs> to have that, you know. Um, yeah, there's I, no other there's nothing like that i think what i'm trying to make clear right is that there are many sequences from the game that i loved and like oh, i yeah. wish the game had more of that kind of stuff right you know i didn't the the whole abby side quest thing that's the thing that i the it's it's really well, honestly like, the things like that was a the, part of the side quest though i know i know but it's like i just don't think it's a side quest i know i know how you guys feel about it i mean i think that um <laughs> the uh the the thing that uh i was gonna say was um oh my favorite sequence honestly is um uh early on when you play as abby uh this is before seattle even happens um and you're playing as abby and um there's this whole sequence where like you're crawling through this this gap between this fence and this shack and the like the infected are just yes. like reaching at you and Ugh. it's just like you're you're like freaking terrified they're grabbing things chase. off of your person yeah. and Ugh. then one of the infected like comes through the fence and like attacks you and you, it's on top of you and then all of a sudden joel comes out of nowhere executes the the infected and then you're like running away from the there's this huge chase sequence with the thing you're running away and you realize like it's it was this great kind of unsettling feeling because you 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 have a feeling that Abby's like going after Joel, but you you're not a hundred percent sure. And then when you realize that that is in fact the case, it's horrifying. Uh, that whole sequence of events, how that played out, uh, I thought was awesome. So that was kind of my that, that was early on in the game. So I love that part. Yeah, very early enough that you kind of forget 
how amazing those moments are by the time you are, you know, survive the end of this game. Um, Dan, I, you know, I'm struck by your comparison. Again, I get in trouble for comparing things to other things, but I'm struck by your comparison to the Godfather because I think, I think it is a very good comparison because Dave, it's a bit like you saying, Hey, I'm so excited for the sequel to the Godfather to find out more about Michael Corleone why are we spending all this time on Vito Corleone? I don't care about that. You know, it's like, the, that's what Godfather 2 did. It's like, oh, half the movie is about Vito and Vito's story. I, I just think, again, I have no issue with that. Love Godfather 2. I, I do think it's a different thing when instead of half a movie, it's half a 25-hour game. That's all I'm saying. For me, just like the, it's really like the excess of the game that, is, that I'm, I, I took issue with. Uh, and and finding the game like exhausting in many ways, as opposed to in concept, uh, I'm I am not saying in concept you should not have put me in the shoes of this other, this other character. I actually really like that, I uh, but I just think it's the execution and the grueling nature of it, and the fact that like you need to murder so many people, um, and like I'm already I already get it. Like the revenge is bad. Like you don't need to keep killing these people. You know, put down just, the pipe, Abby. Um, I, anyway. I, I I do agree with that. Is and because Christian, you kind of mentioned something about this as well in defense of it, and I just want to point out that like I agree that the game does need length and breadth. Like it's why it's more comparable to a TV show than a movie. It's it, and it's so TV shows impact us in a certain way because of the length of time we spend with characters. And this game does need that for. And I love that it has time for the quiet moments and all those things. Yeah. It's not about my my criticism about amount that I think would solve not only Dave's criticisms, but many criticisms is more in the uh, amount of times I have to hit a button and I don't, and then I got to get a battery for it and get a ladder and drag it over. Right. It's, 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 which the game should have. It's just the amount of it all um, that is, feels like shoe leathery um, that is not informing. Um, and then there's also, you know, there's so amount. many drawers I had to open that had nothing in them. <laughs> Every time I opened a drawer, it had nothing in it. I was like, that's three Although seconds did, of my life. I did I'm find an back. interesting, because everything was so sparse and because it, the game was so emotionally affecting, that I did scour more often than I would in a game where it's like, okay, find an unlockable in a drawer, you know, like, you know, uh, Bioshock or something. Like, I, I just, or turn over every trash can. Like, I really did feel the need to to hope to find some tape or some you know something because i because it was in so um rare supply you know i wonder and i'm curious how games or maybe how this game specifically or other games too can tackle this because i'm curious too dave for like how you played this game like how how many days how quickly how long were your play sessions where i know like in tv a lot of us binge, you know, it's sit down. Oh, I, I watched all of succession and you know, a, a day. And I think for me, a reason I kind of bounced off game of Thrones early is that I got into it late and I watched like five seasons in a weekend, you know, like clearly I'm exaggerating, but I watched a lot of it and I was like, Oh, I feel like I was watching the matrix. And it was just like, introduce character, make me love character, kill character, introduce character, make me think characters good, learn characters, bad, introduce character, make me love character, kill character. Introduce, and I was just like, I can't not see what's, ah. Uh. And I think a lot of us play video games. Like I, I got a weekend, you know, door closed here we go i'm playing this game and i i know that the games have tried with like episodic and things like that and i mentioned tv shows people 
binge them, but they still have like end points. And this game has a lot of moments that do let, you know, let you breathe. And I love so many of those moments in this game, but nothing forces you to put the controller down. Like I don't want a Nintendo like, Hey, you've been playing some emotionally traumatic stuff for an hour for a walk. Like I'm not looking for that. Yeah. But I do wonder, Dave. Like you watched you were... Luigi beat. <laughs> beat uh... Luigi just caved Mario's head in. All of those people you killed are now ghosts. Luigi has to vacuum up. Um, <laughs> but like, I do wonder if, you know, you were forced to put the controller down and like have a week between these things. Like it doesn't feel like a burden. It's a, uh, you're letting the emotion kind of wash over you. And I don't have an answer for that, but I did find um, myself like the circumstances in which I was playing the game. um, I wanted to experience all of it for this project I was working on and it had a very real deadline, but there were still moments this project. That's the the podcast. Uh, (laughs) The dumbest thing I've said, and I've said a lot of dumb things, Uh, but I was still, I was like, I got to put the controller down. I'm not going to barrel through this. Like I need, to walk away um and then my last point jeff i think for you the lesson learned is you're only allowed to compare things to god of war from now on like you have to mm, do yeah yeah stay safe <laughs> don't rile up anybody up direct yeah. comparisons to god I, of war. I think that's a great i think that's a great point christian you know i think that if i had uh consumed i, I basically played the whole thing in within 48 hours um, See, that's brutal man yeah, yeah yeah so i think if i had played it a little bit you shot you shotgunned this game i shotgunned it <laughs> just like abby shotgunned joel's leg in the beginning of the game <laughs> yes <laughs> the game was a I mean, it's, it's, as Joel's it's a leg. bit like you know shotgunning a whiskey or something you know it's a bit like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is it's a, it's a an experience that i don't know it was necessarily intended for that and i think a lot of people are you know a lot of people want to get through it we talked about this on the slash filmcast yeah about this idea of like not wanting to get spoiled and trying to get through it as fast as possible to ensure that it's a it's a tricky thing. But also, I, actually, I think, I'm the uh, opposite of you guys. I, I mean, it might be because of my poor memory, but I'm jealous of that experience, Dave. That like you got to. I think it was designed uh, in a grand way, not in a, not in the nitty gritty of it, but in a grand way. It's a design to be. This is in, experienced in one breath. It's, it's such a complete story. It's yeah. not episode. It's such a complete story. That um, I feel like you got you had the opportunity to have a really profound experience. That when I play and put things down and stuff, like I think that was a part of why I felt a little unsatisfied in the end. Is I unfortunately my play session, which normally I would pay for like two hours every night, like I had wherever I had stopped on my last session, I only had an hour of play, and then the game ended, and I was like, uh, wait, what? That's that right? There's something felt wrong uh, and, for, and the game the game you know uh, not that it should i can't even imagine how it would do this as you as you indicated christian but like the game does very little to guide you in terms of what the peaks and valleys of the story are right so yeah. I, I, I was always i always was on edge i was like okay should i take a break now maybe something extremely interesting is about to happen right and i don't want to miss it because i'm really in the zone right now with the game mm, um yeah. and yeah. But, the other you know, thing yeah, go ahead. the other thing about the length for me was that you know, we talk a lot about Ellie's story, Abby's story, the character stories. I was so fascinated by the world's story. I I, I think the environmental storytelling in this game is yes. unmatched, unmatched. I mean, I've gone on at length about how much I love Bethesda's world storytelling, and there are other game companies and games that do it very well. 
this is on a, a completely other level. And it's because of the fidelity. It's because of the attention to detail. Every single thing in the world seems thought through and thought out. And you walk into a room and you immediately kind of understand the story of the people who lived there. You go into a place and you see how that place has broken down, what happened to it. It, it is, yeah. for me, that that was one of the benefits of the length is that it was a lot of places to go and things to look at and things to see and so much detail. Yeah, the, I really appreciated the segment in the Last of Us podcast plug in which uh, they talk about this, right? Like they, they want to make sure every location tells a story about what happened there. Like you can look at it and understand the sequence of events that led to this happening. And I think because the, the graphics, the visuals are so good in the second game, um, they it really takes it to another level in terms of what they're capable of doing there. Uh, I, I think also the level design in general... Exquisite. It, it feels a lot less, it, or from an aesthetic perspective, looks a lot less video gamey to me. And I say video gamey as a pejorative, meaning like it it fe feels like an actual place that I could actually go to, and like the the way that the game guides you to the next location uh, feels very organic compared to the first game, which felt more like, oh yes, it's this massive white like yellow stripe there. And yes, there's a lot of that going on in this game too, but it because of the visual fidelity to real life, it feels a lot more subtle in this game, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I often I, felt like I was discovering things that I'm sure they wanted me to do, but I felt like I was doing it. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. I will say a uh, very interesting experience to be playing this game um, with the, the WLF. Uh, and this game takes place in, in Seattle. Most of the game is in Seattle. At the same time that we were having a Capitol Hill occupied protest here in Seattle. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, like... And then there's so many times when <laughs> Ellie goes through some like massive ordeal and then she's like, F Seattle, I hate this city, you know? And I'm like, what is the United States vision of Seattle that they're getting right now? You know, between this, the chop and also uh, this, <laughs> this game, game, you know, like what is one of the people's perception of Seattle? Okay. Um, I, you know, I know we're, we've been going for like 70 minutes, Jeff. Uh, we yeah. haven't even really okay. talked about the ending yet. So, but so I don't know if you have more time or I don't know if any of you have I, more time. I have children that yes. need uh, tending. Uh, I don't know if you want to say something quickly about the very end. Nah, no, it's okay. We'll, we'll just leave that for future conversation at some point for after the credits for after the yeah. credits at some point um i thought this was a fantastic conversation yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking about it you guys thank you for uh not completely tearing my arguments to shreds but leaving them mostly intact um yeah. but it's it's really fun to talk to you guys because obviously i respect everyone here and uh everyone here has various talents and knowledge as it relates to storytelling so um thanks for the conversation yeah. guys thank you guys i appreciate it And that is how the conversation went down. Unfortunately, we had to end a little bit abruptly. We couldn't quite get to the very, very ending of the game. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a chance to do that at some point, maybe. But uh, either way, hope you enjoyed the conversation that we were able to capture. Last of Part 2, uh, you know, despite all my problems with it, very few games of this ambition and scope and scale come around these days. And so uh, whenever one does, I do cherish the opportunity to play it, to talk about it even if it does make a lot of decisions that I disagree with. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can find more episodes at culturallyrelevantshow.com. Follow this podcast on Twitter at crevshow. That's C-R-E-V-S-H-O-W. And also, uh, check out simplecast.com, which is the service that powers 
culturally relevant. Simplecast.com, a great place to get podcast management and analytics for your podcast. That's going to do it for us today on Culturally Relevant. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.